The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thanks for tuning into Americana Music Profiles. The next episode starts right now. You're tuned in to another edition of Americana Music Profiles. Brought to you by Americana Rhythm Music Magazine and AmericanaMusicMagazine.com. I'm your host, Greg Tutwiler. Let's jump right in to the next exciting interview. In this episode of Americana Music Profiles, we catch up with musician, composer, visual artist, and a former president of the Colorado Bluegrass Music Music Society, Kevin Slick. Kevin's career spans several decades and his musical approach several different iterations. His latest is with his bluegrass band, Orchard Creek Band. Kevin joins us to talk about their new album, Listening for Your Call. Kevin, hi. Welcome to the podcast. Great to be here. Thanks for taking the time out of your schedule to chat with us today. I have uh, been looking forward to this interview. You and I have crossed paths in different uh, ways uh, over the years and uh, haven't had a chance to do this, so I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Nice to nice to be here. Nice to have a chance to, to talk about some new music. Yeah. You've been at this a while, though, right, as a musician? Yeah, I, um, I have been playing music professionally, um, either full-time or part-time, for oh, about 40 years, I suppose, now. Wow. And, uh, yeah, a lot of it, it it's, it's been in all sorts of different genres uh, in the last... 20 years or so, it's been primarily the Americana or folk bluegrass kind of world. Uh, living out here in Colorado, the bluegrass scene is, well, it's pretty phenomenal. Yeah. That's the best way to say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool. What what part of the country did you grow up in? I grew up in uh, Pennsylvania, uh, central Pennsylvania as a child, and then lived in Philadelphia for many years. Uh, and then New York City before coming out here to Colorado. Have you always been a musician? Are there because I, I think I read where you you also have uh, had a career as an illustrator. Is that right? Yeah, I, I work as a visual artist, and I have worked uh, in the past as a school teacher. I'm retired now, uh, teaching both sort of general classroom and then teaching art. Okay, uh, but I've been visual artist for for all of my life, really too, and. Um, uh, I like to tell people that I became a musician uh, on February 9th, 1964, when I saw the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan Show when I was five years old. <laughs> wow. That's when I realized that's 
that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, that's cool. Some way or another. Yeah. So where, what happened from there? What, what, what was the next phase into the music career for you? Well, I started playing guitar probably, you know, when I was 12, 13, that sort of thing. Um, I think one of the things that was the real change, because I was always interested in writing songs and I wrote songs down and I made up made up songs and things like that, was uh, in the mid-80s when um, Tascam and some of these other companies introduced the multi-track cassette recorders. Oh, yeah, I remember and, those. Yeah, and suddenly it was possible for someone like myself <clears throat> to... Uh, with you know not a lot of investment in terms of, of equipment make recordings yeah and it, that coincided wonderfully with the emergence of the cassette as kind of the dominant uh music you know format that, uh -huh. that was being sold in stores and so suddenly uh people like myself could make a recording of original songs and again, investing a little bit of money in getting a cover printed for it and things like that, create a cassette that you could sell in a store and it looked not that different from, you know, Bruce Springsteen's latest right. cassette or whoever yeah. is yeah. out there. Whereas prior to that, it was the idea, well, you had to have something pressed on vinyl and that was prohibitively expensive yeah. and there just wasn't many places you could do it. Um Again, suddenly it was, you know, and this, this sort of coincided with the uh, the punk movement, the uh -huh. DIY uh -huh. movement, which I think was, was phenomenal. Because, oh, my gosh, um, yeah. And people putting out zines and books and videos and, and such like that. It was, it was very much the democratization, I think, of <clears throat> sharing art, uh -huh. whether uh -huh. recorded art, books, whatever. And... Um, you know, of course, the downside of it, I was writing for several uh, music magazines at that time, was, you know, I'd get like 200 cassette releases a month to review because uh, <laughs> oh, it was easy man. to do, and so everyone was everyone was doing it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, on the whole, I'd say it's a good thing that, that, that things have, have uh, become easier for people to share sure. what they create. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a little behind you in in all of that, but I'm uh, was in a lot of that as well. And and there are times that I I miss those days. Those were the early days of, as you said, of all of that. And and uh, you know it was fun to be a part of that world in in my space as well. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, the the artists today um, have their own uh, interpretation of, of music, but they won't ever get to experience that. You know, it was a, it was a different world mm -hmm. back then. It was cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think there was a, there was an energy that was wonderful and, uh, maybe it's just the newness of it that, uh -huh. that people were, well, let's check this out. Let's check this yeah. out. This is interesting. And, and you know, yeah. uh, again, the, the downside perhaps now being that there's so much yeah. that it can just feel overwhelming when yeah. you just, think like wow i'd love to hear new music but you know they just added twenty thousand new songs to spotify <laughs> yesterday how am i ever going to listen right. to everything that's right there? yeah yeah no I, yeah i agree it's uh it's great that everybody has the opportunity to create but it sure also creates a um an arena where a lot of things get lost i'm afraid um and that's yes that's, that's the other side of it but you know it's okay 
Um, mm-hmm. it, it will find uh, serendipitously. It will find where it's supposed to be. So. Yeah, I agree. Um, so you, you in your earlier days, then were were kind of more in the folk scene. Am I understanding that correctly? Uh, folk, folk rock. Yeah, I, I think you know when I first started playing guitar, um, playing acoustic guitar, you know, very influenced by uh, Bob Dylan, Neil Young, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and so that's just kind of naturally where I where I gravitated towards. Um, I played music more full-time for a while um, with a group called Neo Pseudo that some friends and I had created, which which was perhaps a little bit more electric and a little more rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, in recent years, I've gone much more to uh, the bluegrass and folk, back to the you know my roots in the folk world, mm-hmm. uh, very influenced by people like Pete Seeger and Woody Guthrie and that sort of thing. Um, and I love in the bluegrass world. I love the community aspect of it. I Absolutely. love the fact that people yeah. just get together and jam, and and we get together and play. It doesn't matter if it's the simplest two chord old song. There's that community connection with people, and it's it's wonderful. And you know, on a very practical level, when I was playing music full time, I had as part of what I went to every gig with. Uh, a six-string acoustic, a 12-string acoustic, uh, a Les Paul, a Telecaster, <laughs> an acoustic amp, a wow. rack of effects, and a Fender Twin Reverb. Oh and now I mostly just carry a mandolin, which is, <laughs> I, I feel like I have <laughs> achieved some wisdom with my age. Yeah, a whole point. lot easier. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. Uh, were you always aware of the bluegrass scene, or was there a moment in your life where you kind of discovered that side of the music? I had heard it a lot growing up because um, my father was a big fan of it and played uh, particularly the Country Gentleman records yeah, a lot. Yeah, which was uh, a different kind of bluegrass. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I didn't really realize until later that that was kind of a progressive bluegrass of its of its era. Uh-huh. Um, and we went to see... Uh, different acts at a place called Sunset Park, which was uh, down on the Pennsylvania-Maryland border. So I, I have pictures of myself, you know, at eight years old with Flat and Scruggs and people like that oh, that wow, we used to go see cool. yeah. uh, regularly there. But I didn't quite relate to it that much. I was probably more interested in listening to pop music as a child. Um, I guess a couple things that were that were really made a difference certainly the will the circle be unbroken album sure yeah was huge for me because i was a fan of the nitty gritty dirt band and had several other albums and so when that came out it was oh well that's the latest album by these guys i like these guys let's check it out Uh and uh you know it seems kind of funny now to think about something as as simple as like just the way they look and dressed Uh but it was like, well, I didn't quite relate to these guys all with the crew cuts and the, you know, suit coats and things like that. But the guys with long hair and, you know, T-shirts, <laughs> that made yeah. sense to me. Yeah. And so I started listening and enjoying it. And then I think when I was in college, probably like a lot of people hearing uh, a lot more folk music and, and tradition, traditional musics, um, I began to appreciate bluegrass kind of in the same way that, that I appreciated punk rock uh, uh-huh. was the intensity of it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, I, 
I started listening to people like John Duffy singing, and you know, I just thought, like, wow, this is powerful. Yeah. This is like really, this is as powerful as the Ramones or anything else that's going <laughs> yeah. on right now. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's cool. So, so yeah. then it it uh, sounds like about twenty years maybe ago you you uh, headed. Uh, West uh, Colorado, um, because you had discovered that scene, or was it a little more intentional than than that? Uh, It was, moving here was really uh, primarily, um, I guess, twofold. One, just um, the, this, you know, living in the New York metro area, working there, uh, was just a pretty frenetic lifestyle. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was still a little jarring. Um, I was, I was teaching downtown, um, on 9-11. I was teaching fourth grade that day. And so having gone through that experience and then the sort of follow-up afterwards where it was like you left, you kept, uh, surgical gloves by the mailbox when you're checking the mail because you were afraid someone was going to be sending you anthrax and all that stuff was just a little, uh, just grinding. It sort of wanted to get out of that. And, um, my son was, uh, just, you know, baby at that point in time and thought it would be nice to live someplace where, um, going out and doing outdoor kind of activities was just a normal thing that people did. Mm. It wasn't, it wasn't like a big deal. Uh, and that you could go skiing, for example, on a Saturday afternoon, if you wanted to, rather than, Oh, we've got to make plans, you know, two months in advance to go ski somewhere or something like that. Right. Right. You could do that sort of thing. So that was, that was the main impetus of moving here. Uh, and, I knew um, people here. I mean, I knew some of the people that were here, uh, like Pete Wernick and folks like that. Uh-huh. So I knew there was there was certainly a bluegrass scene going on here, but I didn't really know until I got here how in depth it was, how uh, involved the the jam scene was in terms of pretty much any night of the week. Uh, and it's kind of it's it's more or less come back since the pandemic, but. Uh-huh. Prior to that, certainly any night of the week in the Denver, Boulder metro area, you could probably find two or three good jam sessions to go to, and you know, play music That's and cool. with great with great people. A lot of a right. lot of whom, you know, um, <clears throat> professional players, and then you know, add on top of that the people that come to town for Rocky grass or something. Right. Like that, yeah, that's true. You know, yep. and, and then you just think, wow, this is, <laughs> yeah, this is pretty great. And it's pretty easy to get to know people and yeah. get connected. So your latest project is with the band called, um, Orchard Creek. And is that a fairly mm-hmm. new, uh, venture for you with this group or have you guys been together for a while? We've been together for a while. We were, uh, we were certainly together before the pandemic. You know, it's funny how, how like you look back, you think, was that two years ago or five years I ago? Know, uh, I know. <laughs> because there's that big gap in time yeah. where, um, where you sort of lost track of things. But yeah, I started playing with uh, the group. They were uh, at that at that point a, a quartet, uh, guitar, banjo, bass, and dobro. And um 
I knew, of course, knew the people in the band, or at least some of them pretty well. And they had said, uh, hey, you know, we're playing at this uh, venue. Can you come on out and, and watch the show and just give us some feedback? Oh, okay. You know? So I did. And the first thing I said was, wow, I love the original songs. These are you know, some great songs and some great singers. I think the rhythm could use a little tightening up. You need a mandolin player in there chopping. <laughs> <laughs> and so they said, well, do you want to play mandolin with us? And so I said, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Right. And so <laughs> hint, hint. started doing, yes, exactly. <laughs> started doing that. Uh, that must have been like 2018, 2019, I guess. Um, <clears throat> and, um, yeah, so we've been playing for a while now. And, um, we did some recording uh, a couple years ago, just recorded about four or five songs, put out as an EP, uh, and then we just put out our first full-length album, right. uh, 12 songs on it. And I think it's I think it's quite good, if I can be so modest or uh -huh. humble, or, uh, yeah. is uh, particularly what I enjoy is there's four of us in the band. Uh, Jan Springer plays guitar, Dave Richardson, banjo, Keith Murdoch, Dobro player, and myself, who are pretty active songwriters. Okay. And so you get four different yeah. um, sets of, of songwriters inputting into it. And basically, we did a fairly democratic uh, setup for this album. We said, well, there's, and at that, that particular time, we were looking for a bass player. We were kind of auditioning new bass players. So there was really just four of us, and we, we had, you know, some different people playing bass. Um, we said, okay, well, let's put 12 songs on this album. Everyone, you get three picks. You know, what are the three songs you want to put uh, on? Yeah, okay. Whether sure. original or, or not. And, um, and that was basically the, how we how we started from there okay. uh, and we've since since added a wonderful bass player named todd todd ball is a great bass player playing with us these days so um that's our, our current lineup you know and the name of the album um listen to your call is that right listening for your call yeah listening for that's your call. listening for your call is one that i wrote and um <clears throat> It's it's a song I wrote with Mike Mitchell, who um, has been getting a lot of great uh, airplay for his recent recordings uh, in the bluegrass world. And uh, Mike did a great job because I, I had the idea for the song, but needed some help crafting it. And mm -hmm. the, the story behind the song was um, uh, back in 2020, uh, I was talking to my dad on the phone, lived back in Pennsylvania, and he was uh, basically in hospice at that time. And um, we were talking and about ready to finish up the call, and I said, well, you know, I'll try calling, like, the next day or two days or whatever. And he said, okay, well, I'll be listening for your call. Uh, yeah. I thought, oh, wow, that's a beautiful line. I'll uh -huh, write it down. Uh -huh. And as it as it turned out, that was the last time I was able to actually talk with him oh, because no, he man. passed away very soon after that. Yeah. So I had this idea for the song, but all these different feelings and ideas and things. And Mike was great at helping me pare it down and make it, you know, 
singable make uh-huh. it make it into a song that would would work and would still include you know some of the references like um <clears throat> there's a line in there um i'll be listening for your call when hank sings so lonesome uh, you know uh-huh. re- referring to hank williams sure, one yeah. of my dad's favorites so lonesome. uh and your voice will be there like a ripple in still water well my dad's favorite song was ripple by the grateful dead uh, okay and so, you know, he was great at helping me craft things like that. Yeah. That could just sound nice and sing nice. But when I sing it, I know right. where sure. it's coming from. Yeah. Um, wow. That's cool. And it's it's a challenge at times. It's uh, sure. when we were recording it, um, the first two times, I just couldn't get through it at all. Yeah, and I can my partner Vicky was out in the control room, and I heard her saying to him, "Like he's he's never, he's not going to make it. He's not. He's <laughs> um, oh man! But what I did was I just I matched. I sort of stopped and thought, okay, I'm in a Broadway play, right? And this guy is singing this song, and this is the story behind the song. And I, I just sort of put myself in the place of I'm playing the part of someone singing this song. Okay, yeah." And it was able to work. And yeah. afterwards, everyone was out there and was like, you never sang it like that before. And I, said, well, <laughs> I never had to. Right. Try to sing it like that before. Oh, so, man. So the uh, album, Not Quite Out, comes out in October. Is that right? Uh, September. September. September 1st, it'll be on September. all the streaming okay. streaming services. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and, and uh, where, how do you so website how can people find uh get in touch with you find the band uh look for the album where's the best place to get all that well uh for me uh it's kevinslick.com for the band it's orchardcreekband.com and there's a link on there where you can actually buy the physical cd if you if you prefer to do that as some people some people like to do um that's there, and as I said, uh, September 1st, it will be available on all the streaming platforms, um, and we'll be promoting, probably, the first song we're going to actually promote from it is uh, not the title track, but uh, a gospel song that I wrote with Rick Lang, another oh, sure. bluegrass songwriter, yeah. uh, called Nothing Left Undone, which is sort of about the idea of you know living your life so that come the end of your life you feel like you've done everything you were supposed to do uh-huh. you know yeah didn't leave anything any loose ends untied or anything like that yeah. um and that's been a a song that a lot of people seem to like when we play it live it's yeah. pretty uh pretty rocking so yeah uh we'll be promoting that one as a single awesome from the album yeah, yeah. and like i said i think there's there's a great diversity of songs on there there's some wonderful uh keith writes some great songs he's got a great one about nashville and his his sort of nostalgia for old country music which Uh is wonderful and uh and dave the banjo player writes some wonderful tunes uh, melodically very different than a lot of our other stuff which is is kind of cool and 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 jan springer has a great one that she co-wrote with jerry sally yeah um i think is really wonderful based on the true story of uh, forrest fenn who was the fellow that uh, buried treasure out here in the Rocky Mountains and then uh, yeah. kind of left clues as to uh-huh. where it was. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. some of the people that, you know, went searching for it didn't ever come back again. Right. And so yeah. it's, it's about that. Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 Cool. Uh, 
Well, I, I appreciate you taking the time to, to share all of that with us, and, and we're looking forward to the album dropping and uh, catching you guys live somewhere, and uh, certainly wish you well with it. Um, I, I love your stories, and, and I love the stories behind your songs, and so um, definitely hope that the album does well for you guys. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Americana Music Profiles. Find us on iTunes at Americana Music Profiles and on the internet at AmericanaRhythm.com. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.